morning we have a, there we go, <laughs> this morning we have a special guest who's going to be preaching for us today. Um, normally I, I do a lot of the preaching around here, but today my brother Josh is going to be preaching, okay? And Josh is my younger brother despite his Moses-esque beard, <laughs> all right? Um, but yeah, Josh is one of my favorite preachers in the world. I love to hear him preach. I'm always challenged by his insight. I'm always challenged by his passion. Um, and, and even more than that, even more than the knowledge, even more than the passion, even more than the creativity, the thing that gets me is that I know him and I know the authenticity behind what he's saying. And this is real. And um, I'm honored to have him come and share today. You will fall in love with him. And um, I'm just asking that our hearts are open, our minds are open to what God wants to teach us today through his servant. So let's pray for Josh. God, thank you for this friend and brother who completely lives up to that term. And thank you for the call that you've placed on his life and for the gifts and the spirit that you have given him. To carry that out. Thank you for his obedience. Thank you for his heart. And um, today I pray that you would be his voice as he speaks to us. We are ready. Our hearts are open. Our minds are open. Our souls are open. Shape us today. So your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. All right, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Woo! Just to let y'all know, I am uh,
for us came natural. We pray that you would take us back. And so Abraham believes God. Let me say that again because we read past that. Abraham believes God. Abraham's in his 70s. He ain't had a kid yet. And God says, you're going to have a son. And it says, Abraham believed God and that his belief in God was credited to him as righteousness. Okay? So we see our legacy of faith right there. But, Even though Abraham believed God, it becomes apparent that both Abraham and Sarah have grown impatient. Sarah is still barren and has come up with a plan B. Sarah has a maidservant. Her name is Hagar. She's young, too. Young Egyptian maidservant. And so she tells Abraham, Abraham, instead of waiting for me to get pregnant, why don't you have relations with Hagar and have a son through her. Does Abraham argue? No, Abraham's like, okay. Sounds like a good plan. And so Abraham and Hagar get together and Hagar has a son and his name is Ishmael. Okay. Abraham is 86 years old when Hagar gives birth to Ishmael. So God had a plan to bless Abraham and all his descendants and through them to bless all humanity, God had a plan first and foremost. The first step was, I'm going to give you a son. This was not part of the plan. Okay? 
The plan was that the son was going to come through Sarah, Abraham's wife, not Sarah's maidservant, Hagar. So, so Abraham and Sarah sort of trying to go around the system a little bit, help God out. Let me just stop right there and say this. God does not need your help. Okay? God has this all covered. I just had the thought when we were back there worshiping. Y'all, God has thrown this tremendous banquet. You understand? He's thrown this tremendous banquet. And it's God, so you know the food is good. And the thing is, everybody is invited to the banquet, okay? Y'all with me so far? He's thrown the banquet. All he told you to do is show up. You see, God's banquet is all backwards. The only people who get in are the ones who show up empty-handed. And yet, we show up holding a platter full of macaroni salad. God does not want your macaroni salad. He's got this whole thing taken care of. He doesn't need you to cook anything. Do you understand? He's got the whole thing planned out. The only thing he asks you to do is show up. And the only thing he's asking Abraham to do is show up, be faithful. I mean, goodness, all you got to do is keep following me and keep having relations with your wife. Can you do that? If you do that, I'm going to give you a son. And I'm going to bless your son, and I'm going to give you more descendants than you can count. And through y'all, I'm going to bless the whole world. And all you got to do is show up. Do you understand? Sometimes God's going to call us to do some very risky things. I'm not saying that following him is easy. But you always follow him with empty hands. Because God provides. You got to show up, and sometimes just showing up is difficult. Sometimes just showing up empty-handed is the most difficult thing of all. We don't want to show up to a banquet empty-handed because how do I know there's food on the other side of that door? That's why we have to trust him. He's got this. And he wants us to participate, and he wants us to enjoy participating, but he does not need our help. Your help is a hindrance to God. He's God. Okay? Um, Anything good that you ever do is really just God doing it through you anyway. So let's get in the practice of coming to God with empty hands. Abraham was not comfortable and Sarah was not comfortable waiting with empty hands upon God to provide. God will provide. I'm getting off on a little bit of a rant here, but I feel like I need to. The only thing that God will ever provide, and some of y'all in here, you pray day and night for God to provide the single thing for you. Maybe it's something with health. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's a relationship concern. What I need you to understand right now is that God's not going to give it to you. Because God does not give us anything. The only thing that God will ever give you is his presence. And inside of his presence is everything that you will ever need. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Don't seek the things. Even if the things are good, don't seek the things. You seek God's presence. Seek his presence. His presence is safe. And within his presence, he provides healing. And within his presence, he provides financial provision. And he provides restoration of relationships. He provides emotional, spiritual, physical healing. He provides all that stuff within his presence. But you can't just run up to his presence and reach inside and snatch out what you want and take off. It doesn't work like that. The gifts are given 
to the ones who enter his presence and let the door close behind them. That's what God wants. He's ushering us into his presence. And this is this covenant that he's trying to establish with Abraham. I'm sorry for that little rant right there. Y'all forgive me for that? Okay. All right, I will. Because I got a bunch more notes. So Abraham has relations with Hagar. She gives birth to Ishmael. This is not part of God's plan. Let's read this actually in Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 6. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go unto my servant, it may be that I shall obtain children by her. You need to understand that back then a maidservant basically had no rights of her own, so Hagar belongs to Sarah. So any kid she has, Sarah can claim as her own. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. In case y'all don't understand, they had relations, she got pregnant. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt upon her mistress, Sarah. And Sarah said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be upon your head. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived and was pregnant, she looked upon me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me, Abraham. But Abraham said to Sarah, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarah dealt harshly with her. And Hagar fled from Sarah's presence. So again, Abraham is 86 years old when this happened. Let's skip ahead and read a little bit more of the story in chapter 17, beginning with verse 15. God speaks again to Abraham. Remember, because of this disobedience, there was a 13-year delay between then and the next time that God spoke to Abraham which would make Abraham 99 years old the next time God speaks to him. God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah with an H shall be her name. Those two names mean the same thing. They both mean princess. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her, and I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from Sarah. Then Abraham fell on his face, And laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Ishmael's already here, God. I can see him. God said, No. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. You shall name him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after after him. As for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. Okay, so there's the story of Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. Let's just go through a couple of observations really quick. Y'all with me? You promise? All right. All right, the first observation is this. Impatience breeds conflict. So we see impatience from Abraham and Sarah. They didn't want to wait upon God to do it his way. 
And so they got ahead of him and decided that they would figure out their own way to bring this to pass. And because of their impatience, all kinds of conflict came into their life. What I want to tell you this is now, if you don't learn how to wait on God, and you live in a society that is bent on keeping you from learning how to wait on God, if you don't learn how to wait on God, your life will be full of conflict. Your relationships will be full of animosity and tension. Y'all, we're Christians. We're people of God. Waiting on God is what we do. Waiting on God is the highest thing that God has called us to do. He has called us to wait upon him. And if we don't, then I promise you, the situation is going to be the same for us as it was with Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. There's going to be all kinds of conflict and all kinds of tension. First, we see conflict between Sarah and Hagar. Hagar's mad at Sarah because, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, she didn't want to have relations with an 86-year-old man who was not her husband. You know? And so she's upset about this whole situation. She got dragged into it. And then there's conflict between Sarah and Abraham because Sarah gets mad at Abraham because Hagar's mad at Sarah. So now there's conflict between Sarah and Abraham all because they were not patient and they did not wait upon God to do it his way. And then finally we have the enduring conflict that arose between Isaac and Ishmael. We know, of course, that the Jewish people trace their lineage back to Isaac. He is along with the other patriarchs, the father of their faith. Who traces their lineage back to Ishmael? Islam. Prophet Muhammad allegedly traces his lineage back to Ishmael. You know what? If you read this story in the Quran, it reads very differently. Because Ishmael comes out as the hero, as the one that God established the covenant with. And so now you see this legacy of tension between the children of Isaac and the children of Ishmael. You see that? You see that conflict between the Jewish people and the people, the followers of Islam. You see that? And I'm not here to blame Ishmael for that. It's not Ishmael's fault. He didn't ask to be conceived. It's Abraham and Sarah's impatience that brought about this conflict. And so we see not only just temporal conflict there in those relationships, but then we see an enduring legacy of conflict. And man, that's what a lot of us right now are experiencing conflict in our life right now that started like four or five generations ago. Man, because somebody down the line, great, great granddad, you know, couldn't get his emotions under control. Couldn't wait. Refused to be patient. Always, always, always acting on impulse. And so now we have a legacy of conflict tension, and destructive relationships because somebody a long time ago wouldn't wait on God. If you don't learn to wait on God, I'm not saying waiting on God will be easy. In fact, I promise you that it will be so difficult, maybe the most difficult thing, but yet the most rewarding thing that you'll ever learn to do. But if you don't do it, conflict, tension, and destruction will be what you reap. It's not necessary because God has it all under control. He only asks that we wait upon him and follow his lead. All right, y'all still with me? So still now we see 
it, it, it's so it's tragic, but it's so interesting that still now we see God's will and Abraham's will battling it out. You see, because Ishmael was the fruit of Abraham's will, not God's. All right, we'll get we'll we'll talk some more about that in just a second. All right, the second thing is this, second observation. The first one is impatience breeds conflict. The second about impatience is this. Impatience comes from a resistance to newness. And to resist newness is to resist God. Y'all say newness. I don't even know if that's a word. We're going to pretend like it is today. All right, Abraham wanted God to use what was already available. Who was already available? Ishmael. But God wanted to bring something new, Isaac. You see? Trusting God to provide something new requires risk. It didn't require any risk for Abraham to say, just bless Ishmael. He's here. I can see him. I can put my hands on him. He's already here. Just go ahead and bless him. And God is saying, no, I want to give you something completely new. What we don't realize is that God has ingredients that we know nothing about. God has plans that we know nothing about. And we've got to trust him to provide. Impatience comes from a resistance to newness. It's difficult for us to trust God for something that does not exist yet. I might be crazy, but sometimes it's difficult for me to trust God for what does exist. You know, I can see it. I can see the thing that God provided, but I look at it and I go, I'm not really sure that God did that. How can I be totally sure that God did that? And so it's even more difficult for us to trust God for what does not exist yet. And that's what God was asking Abraham and Sarah to do. It's a very difficult thing. I want to give you something new. And they were saying, no, we don't want you to give us something new. That's too risky. That takes too much patience. We already have something here. We have Ishmael. Bless him. You see that? Abraham was resistant to newness. It didn't take any risk to think that God could bless Ishmael, but it took a tremendous amount of risk to think that a 90-year-old woman could get pregnant. To resist newness is to resist God because newness is all that God has to offer. Making things new is all he does. It's the only thing he does. If, you just, if you're in a relationship with God and you just want old stuff, you're in the wrong relationship. He doesn't do old stuff. He only does new stuff. He is constantly making things new. He's constantly renewing people. He's constantly renewing situations. He's constantly renewing spirits. He's constantly renewing relationships and communities. Making things new is all he does. That's what he wants to do. He longs to do it. And he's God, so he gets to do it. He wants to make things new. And so if we're going to be in a relationship with God, we have got to develop a tolerance for new stuff. We've got to be willing to trust God that he can do something new. We look at our situation. Man, some of y'all in here, I don't, I don't know many of you. I know some of you. Some of y'all in here, you got some jacked up situations. And you look at your situation and you go, I got no money. You know, my health is bad. I'm surrounded by a bunch of jacked up people. All of my relationships are jacked up. And we go, what is God ever going to do with this? And we feel hopeless because we, we, we can't imagine a situation where God would do anything with this. It's entirely possible that God's not going to do anything with this. See, you're looking at the pieces that you already have. But God has pieces that you do not know about yet. You see what I mean? 
you're looking at the ingredients that have already been provided and none of them look good and none of them are mixing together. But God has ingredients that you know nothing about, that you cannot even fathom or imagine. He has plans that are bigger than what you can imagine. But guess what? Here's the trick. They're new. And so in order to receive them, in order to experience them, it requires that you actually trust God. And that you wait on him. I don't like waiting on God, y'all. I hate it. I hate it. But you know what? Every time that I do it, I experience God in a new way. And he, he teaches me something about myself and something about him on a deeper level. And he gives me new stuff. And every time God gives me something new, I just fall in love with him all over again. You see what I mean? And my trust is still not very good. It's not, really. But it goes a little bit deeper each time. And so we've got to trust God to provide something new. He has materials that we know nothing about. All right, the point is to trust that he will make a way. So think about Abraham. Think about the son that was promised. Think about whatever it is in your life that you feel like God can never do anything with this. The point is to trust that he will make a way. The point is not to figure out how. Let me say that again. I know that's very elementary, but let me say it again. The point is to trust that he will make a way. The point is not to figure out how. When you start trying to figure out how he's going to make a way, then you're trying to make a way. And that's not what God said to do. Okay? He wants to make a way, and he will make a way. All right, y'all, I'm almost done, I promise. Okay, get into application. Most of us, like Abraham, desire a transactional relationship with God rather than an intimate relationship with God. Let me talk for a minute about the difference between those two. Transactional relationships and intimate relationships with God. Abraham desired a transactional relationship, which most of us desire the same thing. A transactional relationship with God is this way. God provides our needs from the outside. He gives us what we ask for, and there are no surprises. That's the kind of relationship we desire from God. I want to tell you exactly what I want, and I want exactly what I want to show up. No more, no less. You know, no surprises. Transactional relationship. God is out here, we're here, and he gives us what we ask for. He gives us what we need. That's a transactional relationship. An intimate relationship is different because with an intimate relationship, God provides from the inside. Everything given in an intimate relationship is new because it happens within the context of a dynamic, growing, living relationship. In an intimate relationship, God brings his own materials and the surprises are many. Do you see why we resist intimate relationships? We resist allowing God to provide from the inside. We resist allowing God to provide within the context of a dynamic, fiery relationship. But that's the way that God wants to provide for us. He does not want a transactional relationship with you. He wants an intimate relationship with you. He has no interest in providing from the outside. But he is obsessed with providing from the inside. That's what God wants to do. Transactional relationship, God is the provider. And we talk about God being the provider. But in an intimate relationship, God is the provision. 
He is the provision. He's not just the one who gives us stuff. He is the provision himself. Because the only thing, again, that he'll ever give us is his presence. And his presence is more than enough for whatever we need. The prevailing message of Scripture that comes to culmination in the life, teachings, death, and resurrection of Jesus is this. God does not do, God does not do transactional relationships. He only does intimate relationships. Let me read real quick. How am I doing on time, man? Am I good? All right. All right, Jeremiah 31. This is what God says. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. So at this point, they only had a transactional relationship with God, and the heart of God is aching for something more. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law inside them. I will put my law inside them and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. And no longer will each teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me already. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. I will put my law inside them. Don't you, don't you see that's God's one burning desire? Yes. The entire history of mankind is the history of God looking, looking fervently for people who would allow him to write his law on their hearts. And the history of mankind, unfortunately, is also the history of one group of people after another looking back at God and saying, screw that. I'd rather have it written on my wall. Because when it's written on my wall, I'm in control. When I see the commandments up there, I can decide how I'm going to keep them. But when it's on the inside, I got no control. And that's the way it was intended to be. He wants to write his law inside us. Abraham wanted God to stay on the outside and to bless what he already had. And we don't blame Abraham for that because we do the same doggone thing. But God wanted to have a relationship, relationship with Abraham. And a relationship is not a relationship unless it's being constantly renewed. If it's not being constantly renewed, it's just a contract. But God wanted a relationship. He wanted to provide from the inside. All right, two disclaimers and then I'm going to be done. The first one is this. These are two things that really bother me about this passage. The first thing is, as dumb as Abraham was, as dumb as this thing that he did was, even though we understand it, God never once in this narrative, to my knowledge that I saw, God never once rebukes Abraham for what he did. He never rebukes him for going out and having relations with Hagar. He never rebukes him for trying to go around or being impatient. God never rebukes him, and God never threatens the covenant. He's never like, dude, if you do that one more time, and you probably won't because you're 99, but if you do that one more time, this thing is over. We would expect that, you know what I mean, because that's what we would do, but God never does. He never like dangles the covenant in front of his face. He never threatens it. He never even rebukes him. 
He never says you ought not have done that. He just kind of goes on with it. All right, the second thing is this. And this one really bothers me. We read in chapter 17, God still blesses Ishmael. Yes, he sets up his covenant with Isaac, but he blesses Ishmael and his descendants. Y'all, if it was us, we wouldn't, Ishmael wouldn't get a blessing, right? But the lesson to me is this. Sometimes, sometimes God is better than we wish he was. Man, he just wants to give out blessings, you know? But we want to pick and choose who gets the blessing. The descendants of Ishmael can't get a blessing? No way. They're the enemy. But God's blessing them. I don't know what to do with that, but I do, I think there's something to that. God doesn't hate the people we hate. God is determined. He is a God of blessing. He is determined to give blessing. So even Ishmael, the bad guy in this story, even he gets a blessing before the whole thing's said and done. All right. I'm going to close in prayer. Let me give you this challenge. I don't know what to tell y'all. I don't know what to tell you other than this. Seek God's presence because there's something in your life right now that you so desperately need. It's like Abraham was thinking, I can't go on living if you don't give me an heir. If you don't give me a son, I cannot go on living. And that is the one thing that God provided him. There's something in your life that you feel that way about too. If this thing doesn't get fixed, if I don't experience healing here, if I don't experience restoration here, if this thing is not given to me, I can't go on. And what God is saying is, whatever that thing is for you, it exists in abundance within his presence. So renounce that thing and seek his presence. And you understand that all of your provision is within his presence. You have got to seek him and you have got to seek him hard. And one more time. Gone are the days when you can run up to God's presence and snatch out what you want and take off. Those days are gone. Y'all, it's so much better. Can I promise you this? It's so much better if you allow yourself to enter into his presence and let the door close behind you. And then you get all of his gifts in abundance because it's all there within his presence. His presence is all that we need because we are his children and we cannot exist without him. So seek him, seek him, seek him. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your patience in the presence of our impatience. God, it's encouraging to us that you don't rebuke Abraham because we know, God, that we've acted in similar ways. We have uh, allowed our behavior to be rooted in distrust, and yet you're patient, and yet you're patient, God. You never break your side. We thank you for that. God, we pray today that you would continue to remind us there is safety and goodness within your presence and help us to seek you, God. Help us to seek you. May, uh, may our one chief desire, may our one burning hunger be a hunger for you, for you, for you. We believe that you are a good father, you are a kind father, and you will not withhold any good thing from us. But most of all, God, you just want to hear from us. 
and you just want a relationship with us. God, help us to come into your presence and trade hearts with you, we pray. Continue to lead us into the Father heart of God, we pray, Lord Jesus. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen.